For the first ever guest interview of the Brain on Stride podcast, I had the immense pleasure to talk with Kitty Kistler. We didn't know each other a couple of weeks ago, but I shared a tip on my Facebook page about going on walks, on my morning walks, and recording myself as I was walking so I can capture whatever I was thinking. So kind of doing a brain dump. She answered, obviously, that's how we connected. And as soon as we started talking, we connected on so many levels. It was like reconnecting with an old friend. Kitty is a life and leadership coach. She advocates for women in all phases of their journey through inner awareness and progressive change. She provides life coaching for women, learning to trust themselves through intuitive healing. But her primary work is helping coaches build sustainable, reputable, heart-centered business through personal and professional development. Stay tuned after the episode because I will be sharing the links to connect with Kitty. You can also look at the show notes. Now, your mission, should you choose to accept it this week, is to find one way to make space in your brain. Just one tweak or one new routine you can do to empty your brain and make space. If you want to do it with me, with others, go to the show notes and find the link to the Facebook post I created so we can all support each other. And cutie interview. Enjoy! Kitty, thank you very, very, very much to be, well, the first guest to come on the Brain on Strike podcast. I'm really, really excited that you accepted. Uh, we've been talking a bit five minutes before we've been laughing all the way. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be a super, super interesting uh, podcast to share your story and your experience. And yeah, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. Oh, well, thank you. I'm honored, first of all, to be the first guest. Um, and second, just to, to be in your presence and having this conversation, um, because as we'll, I'm sure we'll get to, uh, it's just needed and necessary. And it's always good to know that there's relatable content, something that someone can, can listen in and say, oh, I, need, I needed that. And that was what was so comforting when I talked to you several weeks ago. So thank you for putting this all together. Absolutely. And, and we're doing this interview just after World Menopause Day. And I'm seeing a lot more people coming out there and sharing their experience. So I'm feeling that sharing these experiences and stories on the podcast will probably help even more people to connect with what's happening and to see that they're not alone in this going through this. It's so true. Uh, and I'm sure age plays a part of that too, as we get to the next season in life that we start to, to hear more stories, but I would say the same. I, there just aren't enough. Um, I don't know enough because it just isn't something that we're talking about on a regular, on a regular daily basis where it's, Oh, you know, these different levels, um, of life and seasons that you're going to go through now that you've started the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Journey. <laughs> I don't know yeah. Yeah, it's a journey in itself. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> sure, because uh, you don't know when it starts or ends, right? So we just gotta go. Yeah, the flow. <laughs> exactly. An adventure. We're going on an adventure. We don't yes. know what's going to happen. But yeah, it's it's so true. I feel that way too, and I know that 
we've talked before and we shared a bit of our experience already and we connect on so many levels. Uh, we didn't know before, you know, a couple of weeks ago yeah. and it just happened in kind of a spark somewhere it happened. We start talking a couple of weeks ago. We didn't know each other. We connected through a friend and we just connected on so many levels, not just our love of notebooks, <laughs> yes. notes everywhere. Yes. I remember saying that and saying, finally, I find someone that, that's going through the same thing as me, you know, with notebooks and writing notes everywhere. And, and I really wanted to share your story of how you're going through it and how you're, you're experiencing this transition, because what's mostly happening to you and you shared this in the story is that your brain is on overwhelmed all the time it's mm -hmm. always on and that's something I absolutely relate to and I've kind of realized at one point like I'm always doing something because there is an objective behind it there's always something happening and and I really want you to share with us how you started noticing what was happening and how you figured out that you know, perimenopause, what, what was binding everything together? Sure. Um, so just a little backstory. I, when I first started having symptoms was not long after my third baby. So she's, she's the last and it was, you know, your cycle is supposed to return and then it hadn't. And, and so my body was acting a little, a little strangely. And so you know, I mentioned it to the doctor and it was, well, what do you, you know, what do you think is, is the reason it was kind of, so we did the testing and the hormone levels were certainly there. So it was like in that fog of just having a baby and still being in with them that first year of, of a baby to plus other kids and everything else that's going yeah. on to transitioning into this new hormonal change and all of that. Um, but I think where because my doctor sort of denied the conversation at that time, I didn't have the information to know these are the things that you might be feeling. These are the symptoms. And I sort of brushed it under the rug too. Most of it I blamed on post-pregnancy, postpartum. Um, and then the other side of it was, uh, I have a grandmother who is, you know, she suffers from Alzheimer's. So it was like a mix of two things that I thought were happening, which was baby brain fog and possibly this weird onset to Alzheimer's. Like, oh, am I losing my mind? I'm losing my mind, right? That like kept, kept going through it. And, uh, you know, and I mean, I have a 16 year old daughter who jokes with me all the time that my memory is so poor, but she's not wrong. And I, I realized I was just writing. It was like my, my brain was constantly like filling up and needed purged and filling up and needed purged. And then I started realizing, oh, I think, I think what's happening is I'm entering into this new season of life. This, and I'm not, it's not this and it's not this. It's this middle in between. And I had talked to another doctor who said, yeah, you're, you know, the hormones are definitely there. The body is, is sending signals, but you don't know sometimes what those signals are, right? Like I have acne flare ups. <laughs> You know, what you're thinking, gosh, like, how, how was that? <laughs> but it's like all of those things. Now, when you look at it and put it all together, you yeah. say, oh, I could run down a list of perimenopause symptoms and now it makes sense. And then it was this eye opener. And when you and I talked, I was just kind of getting to that, like, this has to be something else. Right. And, 
uh, and you said, oh, I'm starting to record my voice because it's easier for me mm-hmm. to get this stuff out. And I was starting to use this giant board to purge my thoughts. And once I started making those connections, I was like, this is it. It's not about, I'm not self-loving. It's not about self-care. It was about, I didn't know. I didn't know the symptoms. I didn't know the signs. And now I do. And so now I can have the awareness around my physical self, which has made a huge difference, right? And in bringing that to the surface and being able to say, okay, my, my brain is literally on strike today. Like it's, it's not going to change, you know, like I have to, I have to adapt versus I have to push through. I have to force myself yeah. to do it right. The old traditional way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this is something that I'm also experiencing of, you know, trying to push, you know, our old ways of doing things because we so want it. And this is how we know we're productive and that we know that we can do it, but the brain is just not, it's not there. You know, it's like, oh, gone on break, you know, <laughs> gone for lunch, be back. It really does when. just wander off. <laughs> you know, it goes off at one point and it's like, or you're in the zone and you're working and working and everything is fine. And then you stop, you go for something to eat and you come back and it's gone. Gone. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's always like, okay, when is it going to strike me of what's happening? And, and I think that one of the things you said as well is that the awareness is amazing when you have it, because, you know, it helps to recognize what's happening. But the fact that the doctors are also not recognizing or wanted to go there is also very scary for some people because it's like, okay, well, if it's not that, what's happening? Yeah. And yeah. for you as Alzheimer, for me, I was going for brain tumor. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yes. You know, right. and how many other people are actually just saying, okay, what's wrong with me? You know, if the doctor says it's not the hormone and it cannot be happening because I'm too young, because it cannot be that, then what else is happening? Right. Right. And you, you kind of nailed it there too, that we, we get into this moment where we start going down the path, thinking something, step away for a second, it's gone. And that tends to push us to think I have to do this right now in the moment because it's going to be gone because you know, you're starting to recognize in yourself, this is going to be gone, right? Because we don't have anybody saying, here, let's check these boxes. Let's check these boxes and yeah. see where you are, right? Um, yeah, because you're, and then you start to, to overthink. You start to come up with major other issues that are going on thinking this has to be it because they're not saying that it's this, right? It yeah. seems like there, and there's not enough women out there talking that say, I thought I had a brain tumor and I had menopause. Like, we're not hearing those stories, which is what's so amazing about us being able to talk about it here is that, you know, that gives you that little bit of relief that's like, okay, it feels really big. It feels like a major medical crisis, but it might not be, it might just be this whole shift in our, in our being and in our physical self. And, and yeah, I mean, there's so many things, not just my brain isn't working. It's my body doesn't function the same way that it used to. Right. Yeah. Which then puts more pressure on the, the mental side of it. And then you've got that weighing on you on top of you trying to work and, and to think, <laughs> to think throughout the day. It just yeah. really is a big cycle of, um, the conversation has, it has to happen, you know? Yeah. So I kind of understand where you're going when you say that 
you say that your brain is overwhelmed all the time and you have to find ways to actually empty and make space to be able to be productive, to think creatively, creatively, or, you know, all of that, because it's always full because one thing comes up on top of the other, of another, and, you know, overthinking start and it's not even overthinking. It's just basic thought at some point, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. It it really is just a, a constant firing of things. And the, you know, oh, I got to get to this and I got to get to this and then it's this and then it's this. And it almost feels like if you could tap, I don't know if you could wire, put some kind of wire in my brain and just allow that to come out so that I didn't have to do the physical work of thinking, right? If that makes sense. Or if I had an assistant that I could just relay to all day long, like I need, I need this to happen. Um, I'm someone who talks things through and I've recognized that I have to do that which was where that connection, um, when you had made the original post saying that you were talking it through. Once I realized that I talk things through best, um, that's what I started doing too, was talking through it or finding someone to talk through things with, um, and purging my brain. Like, like you said, I just write constant. There's notes everywhere. It's either on my phone or a notebook in the car or notebook on the table. And it doesn't make sense to anyone else. No one else could look through it and make any sense yeah. out of it, but I know where the things are. And that's, you know, that's how I, that's how my brain has to function is I have to get it down on paper because even if I don't think about it for the next six months, which very well happens, of course. <laughs> I forget about it. When I come back to it, I'm like, oh, that was a good thought. Like, I'm glad I wrote that down. Right. Like, I'm glad I, I'm glad I documented that. And Um, And yeah, so that overwhelm isn't because I'm trying too hard to be a productive thinker or that I'm doing too much because honestly, I have simplified so much in my life. It's just that the brain is firing faster than I'm able to process, I think, you know? Yeah. 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 And and, and I said, I, I was talking to someone and I was saying, you know, it's almost like my brain was neurotypical for like 45 years of my life. And now it's gone neurodivergent like in a second, because now I cannot think straight. I cannot remember things. I'm not learning the same way. I don't want to learn the same way. It's like, and it's a big shift in identity for me as well, at at least, you know, identity of who I think I am, who I believe I am, who I want to be. And it's, it's something that just that of, I was always writing before, you know, I've been Mm -hmm. writing morning pages for the last 20 something years in the morning and all of that, but to have to write down so many things. So I cannot forget that was a new level of, oh my God, am I really going there of having to run through everything through my, you know, Otter app and then writing it down. And every time I have a thought, I have we said that before and you showed me your, your yeah, whiteboard yeah. and I have, I have a small whiteboard too, because I need it right next to me because it's the only way I would write it somewhere. I will remember actually, mm-hmm. because I'm, and I, we talked about that before, but that it's the first thing that is next to you that you grab and you write something in on. Yeah. I do exactly the same. I remember we talked about that. I'm like, Oh my God, we found our twin, you know, yeah. it's like, finally <laughs> we found someone that, you know, that is exactly the same, but, you know, and I always have these notebooks everywhere and I, I am a compulsive buyer of notebooks and pens. So, you know, just grabbing the first thing and writing it down and not, not remembering where it is. And I know I need it. I need it. Yeah. 
So having the whiteboard has been really, really helping because it's right there. I just write on it and that's it. You know, it's done. So, so yeah, so I kind of feel where you're coming with that. So what do you usually do when you have all these thoughts and they're gathered everywhere around in your notebooks? Do you have to redo, (laughs) go through them again? So it's going to feel really intense when I say this, (laughs) but this is the way it works. Um, I do. I write everywhere all the time, Uh, just very similar to you. What I've noticed about my journaling is it's gone from physically handwriting because I, I, again, my brain can't process fast enough for me to journal free form, free flow journaling um, in that way. So I leave my journal up on my computer at all times. And that's just for my daily thoughts. Just get it out of my head. What am I thinking? My emotions, all of those things, like you said, your morning pages. I do that because I can type faster clearly, but, um, so that's, that's how I do that. The other side of it is taking all of those notes at the end of the week, I do a Sunday purge. And like you said, your whiteboard. So this is literally the board. Um, I purge it all. And then I just like a mad scientist or somebody who's in, you know, they have all those papers behind them and they're connecting with the line. (laughs) I do that on my whiteboard and I just, I connect as many of the pieces as I can to say, this thought actually connects to this thought. And then I try to simplify it or combine them. And then I take all of that from the paper that I write out on Sundays and I enter it into a content spreadsheet. And that it really is, it's labeled by certain categories and I fit it into its category and there it is. And it stays there. And I'm going to be honest, I don't really dip into that all too often, but if I'm having repetitive thoughts about a certain thing, I'll go back and just say, have I thought about this before? And, and sort of just have to do it, but I have to physically visually be able to see the thoughts or I just, I can't get control of them. That's what it feels like is I don't have physical power over my own ability to think. And I think for me, I'm intuitive. I'm really in touch with my intuitive self. And so what I felt like and how I was explaining it to people for a while, is like when Spider-Man figures out his powers, it's like you were like misfiring, right? And I felt like I was just having all of this download and then just misfiring it out there into the world. Like I felt very scattered and very, unnatural and out of control for a person whose memory used to be sharp, really sharp. And for Mm. someone who can remember details so well, I used to be able to remember phone numbers. That's the, you know, we grew up without cell phones and that was the thing, like the numbers stuck in my head, things stuck in my head to go to a point of, you could tell me something and I would literally drop it and forget it and never think about it again. And I've had people say, don't you remember we talked about that? And I would be like, I do not recall, like not even an ounce of that conversation, you know? Uh, and that's, and it is scary. So it's coming up with that, but what I, it, that system to really work through my own, my own notes and just really get a hold of it so that I can put it to rest and my brain can stop thinking so hard on a certain subject so that yeah. I can say, you've thought about this already. Okay. So don't overthink it. The, the thought is there the day that you write this piece of content or the day that you, you know, speak to an audience on this, then you can bring it up and you can research that a little bit more or whatever. But I had to stop researching. I had to stop trying to think through every, I had to stop trying to think through it, be aware that I was giving myself um, more room to actually allow my brain to misfire more or feel more out of control. And 
the word that I like to use that really brought that to my attention is capacity. When I realized Mm. I was, my capacity was tapped and it's, I don't have capacity for this. I, I don't have capacity to take my creative desires and actually do them. (laughs) Right. Like that's like my biggest one is when I rest for too long, I get this desire to be super creative and I get all of these great ideas and I think all these things, but then when I go to execute on those ideas, I'm exhausted. Like physically, I'm like, I don't actually want to do that. I needed to realize that my capacity is for creating something beautiful in my mind, not necessarily (laughs) with my hands, you know? And, um, and so capacity has really changed that because it's, it says to me, I'm not, I'm not doing less than I'm not doing something that, you know, I'm not going to push myself any further because right now in this moment today, this is my capacity and I've reached it and I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back and I'm just going to sit here and, and see what I can do with what I already have. Wow. Is- that That's really, really powerful. Yeah. Um, so I was going to say that I find that I'm a coach, like uh, I, I've done my certificate and everything. And one of the things that I connected with a lot during my, my certification is that we attach signification and we, we significance to certain word. And, and I like that you're coming up with the word, uh, <laughs> I forgot. Capacity. Prime <laughs> <laughs> you know? examples right here in <laughs> living color. <laughs> exactly. I couldn't have, have made that up. You know, I'm like, uh, C, C, C. What did she say? Capacity. Okay. Capacity. And it's actually a word that I wouldn't have gone to myself, but actually it's exactly what I'm experiencing, you know, some days of my brain is just, no, you're not going there at all. You know, you're full, you're, you know, nothing else will happen. So I kind of feel that finding a word like that, that helps you to see and to be aware because you talked about awareness before but to be aware of what's happening and to have it in your own, to attach your own meaning to it is very, very powerful. And I know you're a coach too. So I'm pretty sure that this is something that you do with your, with your coaching in your coaching practice as well, but, but, but kind of redefining these terms of, and finding solution that can adapt to it, I think are are really, really powerful. And I was wondering if there are other terms or are there part of your identity that changed because of what's going through, like in this transition in perimenopause? Sure. Uh, so, I mean, honestly, so much has changed. And um, one of the things that I do in my practice is I look a lot at, um, at our social narratives, right? And how we have come so far, but we haven't really gone far enough. And, and so just like you said, every word tends to have double meaning or paradox or the high and the low, however you want to, to yeah. determine it. And so we can really use that to weaponize or we can use that to support and empathize. And one of the things that, that I've had to really dig into in the last couple of years is all the ways that we have sort of, we've made women feel like if we complain, right, about our bodies and about the beautiful things that our bodies can do and, and the abilities that they have, then um, then we've we've come to this weakness or or this victimhood or 
some way it's, you know, oh, you know, you just, you don't appreciate what your body is capable of. Um, but it's hard when you're living in that body and the body is sort of retaliating. It feels like against you, like, why am I doing all of these things? And I can't think straight, or why am I doing so much? And I'm sore, my body physically aches or, you know, when you don't know when it's going to start and when it's going to end, there's really no, it's not like, Hey, at the age of 50, you're going to go through menopause. These are the symptoms you're going to have. And this is what's going to happen to you. And so we spend most of our life just kind of doing what everybody says, you know? Yeah. And we spend most of a big part of our like thirties and forties trying to figure out our own identity. Um, if you have children and then, or you're married, you know, you have a partner, you have to come up with who you are in relationship to the person living in your house with you. And so you lose a piece of yourself because you have to compromise with the pieces of other people. So then we go through this, try to refine ourselves stage. And then when you're right about the time where you think you're doing okay, something like this comes in and kind of smacks you and is like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I'm going to change it for you one more time. And, and you don't know what's happening. And oftentimes you go years before you even recognize the patterns. Um, and all of that self-awareness that you just had is like, wow, my, my knees ache, you know, when I walk and it's like, oh, I'm just old. But then you have that identity shift too. That old sucks. Right. And then it's like, then you become this, you become a mortal person where suddenly you're like, oh, I'm facing old age. <laughs> then we go down. Like, so it's just this constant train wreck of things that, that pile on that give us guilt that society has said, oh, you know, either push through it or you got to self-care and self-love more or right in the middle where it's, oh, you complain, but there's so many people out there that would want to have, would love to have what you yeah. had, you know? And there's all this guilt and all of these, all of these words, like you said, that we associate and we put on ourselves. And, um, and then we, we try to figure out how we're supposed to navigate that. And we go down these paths of self-esteem issues and self-doubt um, and misunderstandings and miscommunications and people not understanding us. So we just bury the, bury our truth to make other people comfortable. Mm. Right. And, you know, you don't want to make somebody else uncomfortable. So we're just not going to talk about it. And, and you just have that. And I come from that old generation, the older generation of, you know, bathroom talk was bathroom talk, right. Bedroom talk was bedroom talk. You didn't sit around the table and talk about it. And so therefore you didn't know to ask questions and yeah. you didn't know what to expect. And, and I, I think it's very similar to the girl who started her period in the middle of, you know, sixth grade classroom yeah. and walked into a bathroom and had no idea what was happening with her body and felt shame, instant, mm. instant shame, and then carried that with her until she was 40 and then no longer wanted to have sex with her partner or, you know, or have babies anymore, or just felt very depressed and shame that yeah. same shame. Like, I don't understand my body and why it does the things that it does and why it can't just be easy. Right. Like, can I get a break? I've been doing this for me. I started at 11, you know, yeah, went through and it's like, can we just, can it just be different? Can it be easy? Can we get that moment of reprieve where it's like, you know, um, it doesn't hurt every month. It doesn't put me up and down in cycles. My hormones aren't out of control. Yeah. Um, but I think we do attach these words of shame and guilt and, um, what society wants us to believe. And, 
and we hide it. And so it comes down to long story short, acceptance, I guess, right? Acceptance and awareness of accepting that this is the journey and knowing what to expect and accepting that we just need to really reach in and again, know our capacity, but also that we can get that awareness around us to say, yeah, this is what's happening. And, you know, even though I might want to celebrate it or might not want to celebrate it, this is it. And I'm going to lean in a little bit more and just, and just take care of myself in a different way. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be okay with not having to reach the goals that I was trying to reach when I was 25 or 35 and, and just know that it's going to happen, you know, just different than I expected. And it it is about new words and new vocabulary Mm -hmm. and, and really about changing over what, how we think and what we're conditioned to believe around the entire experience. Yeah. And I love that you're saying, you know, just finding new words or, you know, changing the way that we're thinking about these words. Yeah. And, and, and I know we talked about that a bit before and the conversation that we're having or not having with the people around us of, you know, our, how our mothers went through it, our, our grandmothers went through it, or the aunt, you know, or everyone around us, or even talking to your friends or your neighbors, these conversations are not usually happening, you know, it's even more so if you're, you know, you've not being, you've not seen it happen. Like, I I think I told you that before, but my mom passed away when I was 22, you know, she was 45. She hadn't started this period of her life, or if she did, she didn't know, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that part of her thinking at that moment. So I don't have this backstory in my history of, I kind of know what's going to happen because we talked about that or we didn't talk about that. Yeah. I do not have that, but having these conversation and having more and more people come forward and sharing those, it's going to be, I feel really, um, how can I say this? Sorry. It's the French brand coming on now. It's not the forgetfulness is the brain, but they feel more compassion towards ourselves because now we know it's not under our control most yeah. of the time, at least. I yeah. Feel. Yeah. And, and you're right. Compassion is a huge word because the thing with compassion that's different than self-love in my opinion is that self-love just basically is like, just love yourself, right? Mm-hmm. But when we're going through something that we just can't tolerate or accept, like it, it feels bad, it feels terrible. I don't want to love myself through this. Like I want it to be different. At least if you can give yourself the compassion, right? Like just be compassionate towards yourself. Just talk to yourself nicely. Just, you know, just say, say the things that'll get you through today because it, it will get it will get easier to be more compassionate toward yourself, to, to show yourself that kindness. But when we say self-love, like, I feel like love is a, a little different in terms of, you know, that's almost unconditional, right? Yeah. And, and I think sometimes it's hard to love ourselves unconditionally when there's something going on that feels really painful and no, absolutely, loving, you know? And so that compassion is a great word because at least we, we know that we don't have to love someone to give them compassion, right? <laughs> we can, we can offer compassion to, yeah. to people that we don't know. And, uh, and this is a new you that you, you're not hundred percent with. Right. And so before you love her, you can, you can be really compassionate to her and, um, and know that that's all there behind the scenes, you know, 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I think love puts a, a whole big pressure on us. Like love yourself through it. You'll accept it. If you love yourself hard enough. Well, maybe you don't, <laughs> maybe you won't, you don't know, you know? No. Yeah. And I think that it's good that you're saying that because some of the traits that is coming up for me, at least is anger, you know, it's present. It's there. I know it's an hormonal imbalance. Like serotonin is not there, you know, as much, and it's what controls and everything, but still it's not a part of me. I want to accept, right. You know? So at one point you have to do, like you just said, you have to use this compassion to say, okay, it happened. Move on. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like in the moment thing of accepting in the moment, accepting it, but not accepting it for the long run, because I obviously don't want to hold on to that part of me. There are other parts I want to hold on to, you know, but that one, I don't, (laughs) you know, I don't at all. Yeah. Um, Because it's, it's, it's so far away from who I am and who I want to be, you know, even more so when you have a seven year old. Yes. You know, you don't want to feel that towards them. You know, it's not, and it's not them. It's just the way that, you know, your brain is set up that day of, nope, you're not going there. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you never quite know what's coming, right? Like you just, you don't know, you might have a fantastic day and then the next day you might not at all, or you might crash halfway through and, and you just don't feel well and you're not sure why or, or headaches. I've noticed I never had headaches and, you know, now I just seem to get, I seem to get headaches very easily. And it's all of those things that just, you know, what do you, how do you explain to kids when you're in the middle of having fun and this headache comes on and suddenly you're just, you're kind of a miserable person. (laughs) I don't want to be around me, you know, like I can't imagine anybody else wanting to, and and you're trying to push through, push through. And I agree with you. I don't want to accept those pieces, but I also know that there's an end, right? They've promised that there's, that there's an end. Um, <laughs> they promised. <laughs> someone out there has promised. Uh, but it's accepting that there's negative to it too. And accepting mm-hmm. that it's not always going to be positive and that I don't have to be positive all the time, that I'm allowed to understand that this sucks, you know, so to speak. And, um, And that, I think that gives us that ability to have compassion too, is when we just admit that it's not fun or it's not always the best, most pleasurable ride. Like I just can't wake up every day. And if my body is in that state, I'm going through a cycle or, and you know, the other thing we don't talk about is how cycles show up. So one month it might Mm. be almost nothing. And then the next you, you honestly think that you should be like admitted for, for loss of blood. Right. But you're just like, it's so messy and so out of control. And when those things happen, it's really hard for me to look at it as a blessing and say, oh, I'm so glad my body was able to do this. Like that just isn't a moment that I have that, that capacity, I think to, to do that. But I have the compassion to say like, this is, this is natural and normal and it's not it's not just you. And it's not, this doesn't define you. Like, you know, I, I can say yeah. all of those things to myself and at least say like, let's just get through this. Like, let's, let's just do what we can. And if we have to rest, we rest. And if we have to, you know, eat some candy, we eat some candy, whatever it is, but you Absolutely. just give yourself that, you know, you give yourself that break, that high five. No, no, exactly. And I think that just, just being okay with it and giving ourselves the permission 
to actually take that break or decide not to work this afternoon or to stay in bed that morning or to read the book or to do something else just to understand that it's okay. And like you said, it's not going to be forever because, you know, we have a tendency to say, oh, (laughs) what if it doesn't come back or what if this happens? Uh, But not being able to have an end date is Mm -hmm. something that is very confusing and very scary for a lot of people I think including me of when is it ever gonna end you know and I know it's just starting because I you know I'm only 46 so I know it's only starting but going there is kind of still scary because we don't know what's going to happen is it gonna get worse is it gonna get better we don't know (laughs) right do I have it do I have it easy right now? <laughs> or is it going? Because like me personally, I haven't done the hot flash thing. Like that hasn't happened. And that was like oh. the that was like the great, you know, tell all of menopause was yeah, you'll get hot flashes and you'll like, no, I haven't gotten that. So like my symptoms are completely not, you know, not what I thought they were going to be. And now it's sitting here waiting. Is that coming? <laughs> is that the next stage where I wake up in the in a sweat in the middle of the night? Like yeah. right now I'm sleeping pretty comfortably. Um, yeah. Like you said, there's no, there's no timeline. There's nothing that says this is, this is what happens now. This is what happens next. And it is, it gets confusing and it's, it's what it really, I think sometimes that's what shuts your brain down. Maybe that's a survival thing, right? Where our brain is like, just stop. No, no, no. Now, I think at one point the fight, flight, or, you know, it kind of kicks in because of all of that, because at one point it's so overwhelming because someday you have everything that's happening at the same time. You know, sometimes you have the brain fog, you cannot go up, you have the depression, you have anger, you have everything, and you cannot even pinpoint it to a single time frame of, you know, the, the cycle of everything because it's just happening randomly as well, you know, of not being able, at least if we were able to say, okay, at this time, I know I get, you know, this happens and this happens and then, but no, it's like, oh, (laughs) you don't know. (laughs) Right, right. Which make women just such um, warriors, you know, it's just, just to have that I don't know that ability to adapt at all times throughout all phases of our lives, right? That we just, um, there, there's just that you don't know when it's all, you don't know when you're, like I said, when menstruation starts, you don't know when menopause ends, you don't know, you know, what's going to happen in between. Um, and you don't know when your body will strike against you or not strike against you. And unfortunately it's not just it's not just a uterus and pelvic area issue, right? It's yes. a full body, you know, and like you mentioned depression. And I think that's huge too, because we just don't talk about what happens in all of those moments, you know, where they're, yeah, we can joke and society can say PMS, but like, that's a really serious, you know, like to have that, that, uh, that rage and anger. And I have been there because man, like, I used to get out of control and I would feel so bad. Like I still, I still Mm. like, I get so angry sometimes and I know it. And I know when, like, I at least am self-aware enough to know, like I'm annoying right now. So I'm going to (laughs) go, you know, and it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to partake in this because I know that this is something other than me. But, um, but that, you know, that is imagine coming off of one of those, those rage moments. And then 
you know, recognizing what it is, but then not being able to take back everything that just happened or that was just said. And, and, you know, and that, that only escalates as hormones tend to, to flux. So depression, certainly I'm imagining the amount of people out there that are, that deal with that, those, those imbalances and, um, and it gets brushed off as something else, right? Yeah. Like maybe it's ADHD or maybe it's, maybe it is depression or maybe it's this, but we're not looking at, okay, it's all of this in one big picture. And we really need to, as a society or as a, a world, you know, community say, this is how we're going to care for people that are going through this. And this Mm. is what we're going, you know, this is how we're going to embrace each other because it is all behind the, it's all behind the scenes. We don't talk. And I wouldn't know, like you said, you don't know your mother's story. I don't know that I would be comfortable sharing my mother's story, but yeah. But when we're not sharing those at the same time, like then it all gets lost in translation and it's left for the next generation or the next person to say, okay, maybe this is what they were going through. Like maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And, And one thing that I'm noticing as well is that, you know, my mother had us, she was 21 and 23, I think. So it's a different experience to have kids in this period, you know, where everything is stable, everything is kind of okay. I had my son at 39. Yeah. And I was already having problems with my progesterone. So, you know, it's like, it's another thing altogether that they probably cannot really share about because it's not their experience as well, you know, and maybe there's something tied into that as well. But knowing that, hmm, having children later and, you know, just coming out of pregnancy and just like you, just all over the place because my doctor was explaining, I didn't know that. I'm really, really lucky my doctor is an hormonal specialist. I'm really, really glad. I'm really, really lucky you know I've been with her for a long time that wasn't the goal but you know that's that's what she is and and she was saying you know when you get kids older 40 41 42 your body and your reproductive system is already on decline you know your hormonals are already shifting and then you get pregnant and your almost goes the other way around (laughs) no they shut up and they're in like very very present and then you get kids and it's the other way around and the the fall is even bigger because of that shift up very high to very low very soon afterwards and I said oh yeah maybe there's something there you know I hadn't considered and I have a couple of people of friends around me that are going through the same thing that had they had children later and they have it big time so I don't know you know if there is a connection there or not so yeah Yeah. And you are seeing more women go through childbirth in the, as we get to 35 to 45 range, right? Like that wasn't, yeah, my mother was young as well when she had children. So, and she would even openly admit like my experience was different. I, I was much younger than you. And um, yeah, I had, I had my last two, yeah, I guess 37 and 39. Yeah. Um, So, so right, right on the cusp probably just about to enter that that stage anyway and then I I threw in some babies and it was <laughs> it's like hey let's really mess with the pot here right <laughs> circle it around a bit um yeah and not to mention I mean just the way that we just society in general like the way that we take in information the way that we 
the way that we take care of our bodies, the way that we eat that, you know, just everything has changed yeah. and it's so rapid, so fast paced that are we taking enough time to really notice, recognize, um, see it happening. Like, I think society has pushed back middle age to probably the fifties and sixties, right? Like yeah. the, that further we've pushed that back. Are we recognizing soon enough that these things could be happening in our thirties and in our forties? Mm. And, um, are we being aware of that? But again, that has to come down to conversations. That has to come down to things like you're doing with, um, with having these open conversations of people saying, oh, wait a second, <laughs> that sounds just like my brain or that sounds just like my body. And, and maybe I need to take a look at, um, at what this possibly could be, you know? And, and we're just talking perimenopause. I have no idea what it's like in actual menopause, you know? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of confusion there as well of what is one or the other, because I am seeing out there a lot of people confusing the two, you know, of the peri being, you know, mostly the everything you're experiencing and the menopause actually being one year after your last, you know, your last uh, menstruation. And it's like, we're kind of using all these words interchangeably. And it's kind of, I think it might not be, it might adds up to the, to the confusion as well, you know. Yeah. Do you have a, um, a, 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 an opinion on what menopause is compared to perimenopause or um... what, what I, I heard is that menopause is the actual one year after your last period, mm-hmm. you know? So it's the actual moment where you haven't had any period for the last year gotcha. and perimenopause is everything else that is everything. going around it, you know, all the fun everything else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> But, you know, this is not known. And this is something I didn't know until I started researching. You know, right. for me, menopause, it was menopause. It was the odd flashes and what's the night sweat. And, you know, it was the mood swings. Yeah. But but then you start looking at him like, oh, God, <laughs> really? You know, it's like, no, I don't want that. Please, I don't want that. I know. Um, can, can we hit the fast forward button or can we just opt out? <laughs> I'm just going to opt out. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Check. No, please. No, thank you. I'm just um, going over that part. <laughs> Let me take care of my children. You know, right. I don't know. It's uh, no, it's, it's actually something else to be in it, at least recognizing that it is what it is, because like you said before, a lot of doctors are not accepting it or saying it's true or don't want to go there. And then a lot of people get misdiagnosed with depression, like you said, HDHD, you know, things like that, that are actually not the underlying cause of it all. So it kind of adds to the confusion as well of, no, no, I'm taking, uh, you know, depression meds. Yeah. Yeah. Is it helping? No, but you know, (laughs) we're going to find something else that will work. We'll find another meds. We'll find something else. But then if they would go to, you know, get their blood tested and get the hormone tested. Maybe that's what, maybe that's not, we never know, but there's, there's too many things that at one point in life, you just say, okay, maybe it's time to get those tested, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I feel that when you said about the difference, because I, I felt very much like my gynecologist was the one who was like, yep, the attested, you know, all of your hormone levels are showing perimenopause but almost like, okay, yeah, we're entering phase one. Right. And, yeah. and then that was it. It was almost like it was kind of brushed off. And so I think that 
for me, I think I internalized that as this isn't the, this isn't the hard part yet, right? Like I'm not there yet. Mm. And so I've just been like sort of waiting for that, that phase two. And I'm glad that you brought that to my attention because I, I think part of that is that I, we're in phase two, right? You know, <laughs> right? Like this is phase two. Phase three yeah. is when it's done and it's like, and then it's over. But, um, but yeah, the, to have a doctor that says your hormone levels has, have reached this, you should almost get like a welcome bag, literally that says, here's what you need to unpack. Here's what you need to read through. Here's what you need to talk about. Here are yeah. the conversations that you're going to start seeing and, and here are the things that you questions that maybe you want to ask or questions that maybe you should start considering asking. Um, because like you said, you could start putting band-aids on all of the problems, but that doesn't mean it's, it doesn't mean it's doing anything or the right thing. Yeah. Right. You know, like we start treating depression, we start treating body aches and pains. We start, you know, diet and exercise changes, which are all great, all great ways to, um, to make sure that we're healthy and that we're, we're doing things that are right for us. But when we're not overarching, when there's not this like, okay, let's handle the whole problem. And you're seeing 20 different doctors for different things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of people are also experiencing anxiety. You know, anxiety is a big thing as well. So it's like, you know, on top of each other, there's a lot of, uh, of, of symptoms that can happen and might happen because we don't know yet again, you know, but, but I think um, I really like the fact that you said it's like kind of phase one and phase two we're kind of waiting to see if there's something bigger happening, you know, oh, oh, this is just the start, but maybe that's going to be your entire experience. Maybe that will be it, you know, or maybe, well, it is going to get worse or is this going to be, you know, you're going to get better as you're right. going along and moving along. And what I heard from a lot of people is that menopause is not the end of it. <laughs> it's like, I, I would love to know, you know, it's like, of course it's not, well, no, you, you know, you're entering menopause, but no, it's still happening afterwards and can take a couple of years to actually finish. And, you know, the time that the hormones level just, just, but it's like, <laughs> why? yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm going to ask. Why? I know. I think people forget that we go through this for 50 or 60 years. I mean, that's literally, I yeah. mean, and it's like, if you can do anything and you have done this, you know that you can do it for, for 50 or 60 years, right? Um, all of that. I mean, that's just, it becomes, whew, you know, it's just, you look back at time and just think how much our bodies change and how much, how much we've been through. But yeah, for us to know that there's a Perry and then there's a Doring and then, so then there's the post and then there's the post post, right. Um, it's exhausting just to think about yeah. You're like, gosh, I, I don't want to do this for another 20 years. Who knows how long, who knows how long. I, yeah. You know. And I think that these conversations are very important too, because we can see how people are actually finding ways yeah. to make it better and to find their own true self and their own identity through it all. Because when we're all by ourselves and sitting in front of our computers and going to Google doctor, you know, and trying to find ways and trying to find solution, it becomes overwhelming as well. 
there's so many things out there. Do you want to go HRT, the hormone replacement therapy? Do you want to do it naturally? Do you want to take supplement? Do you want, you know, there's so many routes and so many adventures that you go, you can go on that at one point it's like, okay, should I just roll with it and do whatever, or should I find a solution? So that's why I feel that these conversations are going to help even more than just trying to uh, relieve ourselves from the physical symptoms. Yes. Because it's a big transition and it's a long time that these could happen. And at one point, I feel that we tend to get more and more things that lay on us and it becomes heavy. And this is where other people, other problems can actually creep up. Mm. Yesterday, uh, I recorded the bonus episode and it was all about guilt, but I hadn't associated that guilt can actually lead to depression when you have too much guilt and it's actually just, you know, wrecking a vac, you know, in yourself and keeping this in your head. If you're already kind of depressed and you have, you know, if it's a side effect is already that you're having, and you're building this guilty and shame and all of it inside of you, it's, it's a big explosion coming. It's, it can rock your entire world of, wow, I didn't know this. So it's, I think it's, it's important to see that others are going through it, that others are living through it and to find our own solution with that, because everyone's not going through it the same way and we don't have the same values and we don't have the same way we want to address this, I think. Yeah. It's really important for anyone who's going through it um, at any phase. The conversation is critical for those around us to know also what the symptoms and the, and the conversations need to be and, and checking in and saying, this doesn't seem normal. Um, or, you know, there's, there's something that's not, there's an extra layer of depression, or like you said, anxiety, like seems like you're extremely anxious. Um, this, you know, what, what's normal, what's not normal and what is on the, again, that checklist, like, wait, I've heard that this could happen. And then making sure that that person is receiving the right help, you know, because I think we get labeled sometimes it's like, oh, she's bitchy or she's, you know, she's hormonal or, um, or whatever it is. And, and sure that might be true in a sense, but, um, but it means that there's something else, you know, and then, like you said, the guilt gets added on there because you've made somebody else uncomfortable with, with what's just happening to you. And then on top of that is shame. And then we go down that spiral that's, um, that just continues to pile it on and pile it on. And shame becomes, um, anxiousness and, and worry and, and fear. And then, you know, like all those emotions, but if you had somebody there to say, I get it, you probably just need to take some time to yourself. And then you do that, then you start to feel like, oh, okay. I, I, it's, I can give myself compassion. Somebody else gave me compassion. I can, I can lean into this in a different way. And, maybe then it is a beautiful thing, right? Maybe if the conversation happens and it's interjected with some comedy and it's interjected with that relief of other people understand and it's interjected with the compassion from our partners and from our family members that we get to change it into this, um, 
it's not something that we're just like dreading and, and something that we can actually say, okay, yeah. Um, some moments are really going to suck, but isn't this beautiful that it's going, you know, I'm getting to that next stage. <laughs> I'm becoming that lady who just doesn't care anymore. <laughs> just, I'm at my whole new blossomed level of, yeah. You know, there was like an 80 year old woman who almost just drove me off the road yesterday because she was just not moving over for me. And she didn't care how many times I said to her, like, you're going to have to move over because I don't fit um, down the road. And I thought in my head, like, A, that was awful because we both almost got into a serious accident. But B, to be that bold and just (laughs) be like, I'm going for it is kind of where we all want to get to that, that moment where we just, you just become you where you're not worried about all this other stuff. You know, you're, you're just, your body is done doing whatever your body did. And now here you are, this, this thing, this, this thing, this beautiful human on the other side of the experience yeah. that you've gone through all of the, the inner work and you've gone through all of the, the heart work and the mind work. And, and finally, now you're just at peace with who you are. And now you can like retire as, as a person, right? you like, get to be that next level, like free of it all. And I think that that can be a really beautiful thing too, but I think it takes a lot of conversation for that to happen. Yeah. And I think that what you said about not giving a crap anymore. Yeah. It's like, it's happening big time. You know, it's like, no, I don't have the time to deal with that. You know? deal with your own thing. Yeah. It does get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm releasing that. (laughs) No, no, that's That's exactly my problem. (laughs) I have enough already. That's yours. You know, I don't want it anymore. So, but yeah, yeah, 40 is that rite of passage. And then once you get through that door, you're like, oh, I'm getting better at this. It comes with practice, comes with practice. This is actually one thing I want to keep, you know, it's like to a point, the anger, I don't want to keep, but this, I would gladly keep, you know, so refreshing with it yourself. yourself. Oh God. So, So, so that was an amazing conversation honestly, uh, really amazing. Um, just before we go, I am going to have two questions for you. Okay. The first one. And I think I asked you to think about that is I'm a book lover. I absolutely love books and I wanted to know what's your favorite all time favorite fiction and favorite nonfiction. Oh gosh. So (laughs) hard to choose. I know it is hard to choose. Um, Gosh, I have a lot of books that I love. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I knew that you were going to ask me that. And now I'm like, I'm on the spot. Let me look. What do I have on my table right now? <laughs> um, well, I would have to say one that I go back to all the time, all the time, all the time is definitely Think and Grow Rich. And I know that that sounds like so cliche. I love that book. But I love it because it really is like, you can read any other book after it and it's all, it all directs back to that. So that that's the one and done. Just if you ever want to read a business book in your life, just read that one. Yeah. But it talks so much about your own inner work too, right? Like that just, it's anytime I listen to it, it just, I'm like, wow, okay. I wasn't doing that. So I forgot that I'm supposed to do this. And it really does. It really does help. Um, another book that I could read over and over um, that I love Oh gosh. Well, it's been a while since I've been out of the business, uh, <laughs> the business mindset, but uh, 
I don't know. Let me throw you on the spot for a second. What's yeah. your favorite? What's your favorite book? My favorite fiction book is It by Stephen King. Stephen King. <gasps> no way. Yeah, oh, that's my favorite I, all-time book. I can't even dabble. I can't even dabble. Um, no, I don't know. But like, I like The Outsiders. That sounds weird, but that one keeps coming up. I've probably read that one a bazillion times. But like something like that, where it's just like, old you know old classics and um I'm not much into like the Hobbit or British literature yeah. so much um and we did a lot of that and we did a lot of that in high school but uh but yeah Stephen King that's scary that's perfect for this time of year right yeah it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is I like to go back in time a little travel backwards and and just see how life used to be uh love autobiographies gosh I could read about people all the time yeah. Nice. That's good. Yeah. What's your favorite biography? One that you've read recently that you loved? One that I read recently. Well, the one that I love is Walter Cronkite. If you ever get a chance to read, um, if you ever get a chance to read it, it's, it's just so good because again, he'd been through so much, right? Um, any book by Oprah, because <laughs> I love her perspective of course, on anything. So, so I think those would be my, those would be my two picks for anything they write from their perspective um, or came from their perspective would just be amazing. Um, yeah. Nice. Or so Becoming by Michelle there. Obama. Yeah. That, one that was, was an amazing book also. Yeah. Right now, now I've got it flowing. <laughs> it's okay. I know I, I get to, to do the same, like when it, I'm like, Oh, maybe this one or, Oh no, right. maybe this one, you know, it's like, you have to choose one, but the, <laughs> you don't want to leave the other ones, you know, beside. I really love 1984 from George Orwell. Oh my you know, gosh, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing book. book, but at the same time, it's like, nah, it is just, you know, just a bit on top of it. But yeah, but I do understand Think Grow Rich. I think that this book is absolutely amazing. It, it was kind of, you know, of nowhere pick of, oh, I'm going to pick this one. And it's like, it's a favorite of mine for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. That one is, that one's my, definitely my top. And it's the one that I can go back to over and over and it just never disappoints, you know, to build yeah. that, to build that story out. Nice. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know a bit about your business because of course you're a coach, you're a leadership yeah. coach as well. And I want you to talk a bit about your business and what you do and how you help your clients. So I work with, um, I work with women who are interested in intuitive healing. Um, and that's really comes down to acceptance and awareness. Um, those are the, the two words also just to, to really have compassion and kindness for everyone. So um, my work in this world, my big heart-centered work is that we can lean in and love every human um, just because they're human and they're here and they belong here. And I want every human to know that they have a purpose. So that is my overarching work is that every person knows that they have a purpose. Um, I work primarily with women mostly who have had children or are at this stage of life who are, their children are older and grown. Um, to help them break the patterns that we've gone through in life, um, finding ourselves in our, our mid thirties and forties and to help them have new conversations with their children so that these patterns are broken sooner and that we're starting to have these conversations in high schools and college age children. Um, because we don't really work with a rational brain until we're about 25 
And so everything is driven off of impulse. And when we're learning in that phase, um, we're not always paying attention the way we should. So really being able to have those conversations to train, change that, that parental parenting pattern and all of those things over um, earlier. So that's the work that I'm doing. It works a lot with social narrative, social conditioning, um, but comes down to finding and trusting who we are on the inside so that we have a lot more acceptance and awareness of, of what's happening around us and loving ourselves ultimately with kindness and the compassion that we deserve. Wow. Tying it all up, put all the words that we talked about all I the feel, words. You know, in, in, in this podcast. So uh, that's amazing. And if you want to know more about Kitty, I will be sharing all of the links where you can start following her, stalking her, whatever you want. And so I wanted to say thank you. Thank you very, very, very much for accepting again to be on the podcast. It was, I had an amazing time. Uh, it was an amazing conversation and uh, yeah, so that's it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm honored to have been here. And that's a wrap for the first ever guest interview of the Brain on Strike podcast. I had such a blast having this conversation. I really hope you enjoyed it too. Here are the different ways that you can connect with Kitty online. You can check out our community on Facebook the League of Reputable Coaches. You can also find her on Facebook or Instagram with the handle Kitty Kistler. For direct links to all three social media accounts, you can check the show notes. And before I go, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it. The more conversation we start, we have around perimenopause, the better. And if you want me to share the love, you can use the hashtag BrainOnStrike on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even on LinkedIn. On that note, have a great day.